Hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing good? Hey, today uh, we're going to be wrapping up our To Be Continued series. Uh, we've been looking at, and we're going to continue to look at, the early church. That's the, the followers of Jesus immediately after his death, resurrection, and ascension. And specifically, we're looking at what did the early church do that we need to do, the things that need to be Continued. Uh, today is part four, uh, and in this series so far we've covered uh, discipleship, how following Jesus is going to have its ups and it's going to have its downs. But if we stick with Jesus, uh, he will grow and shape us in ways that we can't even imagine. Uh, and then we talked about community and how the early church, they met daily, daily. They, they worshiped and took communion together. Uh, towards the end of service, we're going to actually do that. We're going to take communion together, the Lord's Supper. Uh, but the church, they met daily. It wasn't a daily church service. They met daily to, to teach, to serve, to pray, encourage, and to eat with one another. It wasn't just sitting in a service. It was gathering and, and intertwining their lives together around Jesus. And last week we talked about miracles, how God is able to step into the messes of our lives and to do the miraculous. And at the early church, they didn't just intellectually believe that God is capable, he's able to do those things. They actually expected God to move. I hope you still have those prayer cards uh, from last week uh, where you're praying for someone's miracle. Uh, and today, we're going to finish up the series uh, with one of the most misunderstood parts of uh, the church, one of the most misunderstood parts of being a Jesus Follower. I think uh, there's an, it's an area where some people tend to overemphasize it and then others completely neglect it at times. And as we open the book of Acts and see what God's word has to say, uh, I just want us to get our hearts ready. So would you put your arms out with your palms up, close your eyes, uh, just a posture of surrender. Uh, take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air that you're breathing. Let's pray. God, today, would you uh, guide us closer to you? Help our minds uh, put away the frustrations of the past week. To put away the distractions of the coming week. We want to fully focus on you. Uh, we come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, would you move in here today with power? We believe that in advance. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Hey, today we are going to be talking about uh, evangelism. Now, if you don't know what evangelism means, it simply means to share your faith in Jesus uh, with another person. To invite them uh, to follow Jesus. And I want to be specific that I said uh, in, it's an invitation to follow Jesus. That's an invitation to follow Jesus. It's, you can't coerce or force someone to be a Jesus follower. Uh, the same way you cannot force a toddler to, to be sorry. Uh, can you make a toddler say sorry? Yes. Can you force a toddler to be sorry? <laughs> no, right? Uh, you've seen that. You've seen a toddler say, I'm sorry, and they say, you need to say, I'm sorry, and they, I'm sorry, right? And they, they, they don't mean, it is not any change in here. Uh, the same way you can lead someone to pray a prayer, uh, but it doesn't mean they're a Jesus follower unless there's been some change in here. Evangelism is simply sharing your faith with others 
an offering, an invitation for them to follow Jesus. Uh, and an invitation uh, is not a drive-by guilting, all right? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Unfortunately, uh, some of us, maybe you grew up in the church, and when you hear the word invitation, that's exactly what you think of, all right? Eyes bowed, heads closed, loud, angry preacher making you feel about this big. And he's like, all right, now if, you, if you're struggling and you need Jesus, raise your hand, right? And so we think of this drive-by guilting. When we say invitation, that might be what you comes to mind. I don't know about you, but I've never received an invitation to a party where the person's angry about inviting me and, and I'm wanted to attend that party, right? It's like, hey, you better come. I'm going to be mad if you don't. It's like, okay, I'll be there. But like, I, I ain't going to be there. I'm just saying yes so you'll get off my back, right? That's not the invitation that we're talking about. Uh, we're just talking about simply sharing what God is doing in your life, what he has done in your life, and offering that invitation, just extending that to them. And I think the reason so many Jesus followers, you, we struggle to share our faith is where we put the pressure. We put all the pressure on ourselves. It's all about me, how I share my faith. I have to do it in a compelling way. I got to learn all the right tools. I got to have all the right things in my tool belt to be able to do it. And like we mentioned last week, any theology that places an emphasis on us, any theology that places an emphasis on man, all right, that is a bad theology. It's not about us. It's about God. And in Acts chapter 8, we see Philip, he, he shares his faith in Jesus uh, with a person that he's never met. He has no background with. It's really this, this phenomenal story. And um, before we jump into this story in, in Acts chapter 8, I, I just want to give, I just want to pause and say, um, do not compare yourself uh, to Philip. We're going to read uh, this story about how he just shares his faith boldly. Uh, and I think a lot of us, we're going to see, hey, hey, Philip does this, but I'm not wired that way. That's probably what you're going to feel inside. Like, I'm not, I'm not the outgoing of a person. I couldn't just go talk to someone. I can't, I can't do that. Uh, don't compare yourself to Philip. You need to remember the same God who used Philip is the same God who will use you if you'll let him. All right? You ready? All right, Acts uh, 8, verse 26. It should be here on the screen for you. It says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. I want to pause there. It starts, the story starts by uh, Philip going where God is telling him to go. Right? God is already moving in this place, and God's telling him, hey, Philip, you need to go there. He continues on. It says, so he started out, right, immediate obedience. God called him to do something. He was like, I'm going to go do it. So he started out and met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. I've been looking at this page so much, that page about flew out of here with the AC kicked on. That was almost bad. A eunuch of great authority under the Candake, under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Well, I just want to pause here. He's going he's gonna to share Jesus with the person. This guy had gone to Jerusalem to worship. It's interesting. It wasn't this guy was in a bar and he needed Jesus. No, this guy had gone with the purpose to Jerusalem to worship and he still does not know Jesus. It's not about where we put our feet, it's about where we put our faith, all right, where, where our heart is at. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. I want to pause here. Philip, it said, God told him to go this way. He went that way. And then he's walking, along, he's walking near this man, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, go walk alongside that carriage. Philip is being led by the Spirit. He wasn't preoccupied with 
how do I say this? What's the right way to do this? How do I, how do I clearly explain what the gospel is? How do I do it? He was simply being obedient to the steps God was putting in front of him. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? He was curious, not judgmental. He was curious. He asked him a genuine question. Not to put that man down, but to see where he was at. Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up to the carriage and to sit with him. He never met this man. He don't know this man. This man don't know him. He's like, hey, come up, come here, sit up here with me and explain this to me. Uh, this is the passage of scripture he had been reading from Isaiah. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself? Was this Isaiah referring to himself? Or was he talking about someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. I just want to pause there. Philip answered the eunuch's question, uh, not by giving some great theology and having all the doctrines right. He simply pointed it back to Jesus. He pointed it to Jesus, and he shared the good news. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So cool, right? I, I, so I just want to, a few points I want to look at here. This whole moment is orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. The fact that uh, they were near each other, right? They were traveling near each other. It's divine. The fact that uh, he's reading a passage of prophecy uh, from Isaiah that is like so clearly pointing to Jesus and, and the crucifixion. Like that's divine. The fact that the eunuch is willing to field questions from a complete stranger, right? Divine. God is moving. Uh, and then immediately, immediately the Ethiopian eunuch says, I want to be baptized. There's some water. Let's go. God's fingerprints are all over this. If you were to look at that story and think, man, Philip has it going on. Like, I'm not that outgoing. I'm not going to go just talk to the stranger. Well, he, he knew the scriptures well enough to point it to Jesus. You're missing the wrong point. The point isn't Philip. The point is it's the Holy Spirit of God moving and transforming lives. See, salvation is not a work of man. It is a miracle of God. And God can absolutely use you just like he used Philip. The emphasis is on God, not on you and me, and it's not on Philip. You see, when we put all the pressure on you, it makes it feel like you've got to shoulder the entire load. Uh, and when you feel pressure like that, it makes you do things that you wouldn't normally do. Uh, has anybody have like totally good like social skills, but when you get in a situation with a little pressure, you just start getting really awkward. Like, you know, you just like moonwalk away because you don't know what to say. You keep putting your foot in your mouth. Anybody else been there? Like, I, I was like, hey, I feel the pressure there. I get awkward. And I just like can't reel in. I can't reel in. I, I think, hey, college football is here. All right. I thought I would get an amen on that. I'm going to be honest. All right. Hey, college football is here. Uh, but anyways, have you ever seen a team where all the pressure is on one side of the ball? 
Like it's, it's touchdown or bust for the offense because they know that defense ain't going to stop anybody, right? I'm not referring to any team in particular here, all right? Just, that's been my Sooners for the past like five years, okay? Uh, but that's how it is for us. That's how we act when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing our faith, offering an invitation to others. We have a mindset to steal football. We need to get six. We have to get into the end zone. It has to be a touchdown. We got to move somebody there at the one yard line. Then we got to go, we got to take them from the one, 99 yards all the way to the other end of the field. We're thinking big yardage plays. We are doing too much. We put all the pressure on us to score. We forgot how to move the ball. In football, you don't have to score from the one yard line. What do you got to do? Get 10 yards, pick up the first down, and keep the ball moving, right? If you get the first down, you get to keep the ball moving. And if you do that enough, you'll score. When it comes to sharing your faith, I want you to think first downs, not touchdowns. Keep the chains moving. And if you'll let God direct your steps, if you listen to his play call, I promise you things are going to go a lot better. When Philip comes to the Ethiopian eunuch, the Holy Spirit set Philip up with like, hey, it's first and goal from the one-yard line. All right, I want a QB sneak up the middle. We're going to get this touchdown. You see two times in that passage where Philip is simply being obedient to what God has already called him to do. He's letting God lead him. God's calling the plays. Philip is just listening and obeying. When it comes to us sharing our faith, a lot of us feel the pressure. The pressure shouldn't be on us. Jesus saves people. We don't. Our goal when it comes to sharing our faith and offering an invitation to others is to listen to our play caller, all right? Listen to the Holy Spirit and run whatever play he calls up. And sometimes that's just a safe run to pick up a few yards to keep the chains moving. Not to go crazy. Now, now, hey, there might be other times it's fourth and long and the Holy Spirit talks around and says, like, hey, throw that Hail Mary. See if they'll take this, right? See if you can share your faith here. The pressure isn't on us to perform. We need to seek God's direction and I promise you good things will happen. It might not be a touchdown on the first play, but if you stay with his game plan, it's going to go so much better than if you come up with your own. When it comes to sharing our faith, think first downs, not touchdowns. Uh, Last week, well, we got these prayer cards. Uh, and what we did, if, if you weren't here, we asked everybody to write down a prayer that, hey, uh, it would have to be a miracle. It would have to be a miracle for, for whatever prayer they wrote down to be answered. And then we put them up here in a pile, we mixed them up, and um, then you grab somebody else's that wasn't yours. And I've got mine right here. And I don't know whose this is. I can tell you, I prayed for this every day, right? And here, their, their prayer, this was the miracle for them. It says, lead my family I'm sorry, lead my children and their father to a relationship with you. Lead my children and their father to a relationship with you. Um, Sunday night I get a call. Uh, I, I miss a call, all right. I'm an old man. I was in bed. Sunday night I get a voicemail. Um, and I, 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 I miss it. I wake up to a voicemail. Uh, of somebody who has accepted Jesus. Can I get an amen? All right, let's get, I'm pumped. <clears throat> and uh, 
that conversation was sparked with his neighbor. Uh, his neighbor doesn't even go to this church. I just want, side note, it's not about a church, it's about our Jesus. Can I get an amen there? Hey, it's not about a church, it's about our Jesus. Uh, but not only did he accept Jesus, but his son did too. Let's go, right? I'm driving to the gym Monday morning, listening to this voicemail, and I am cutting onions, like I'm so, like tears of joy, I'm excited, uh, because uh, it may have not been this person's, but a miracle happened. When someone goes from death to life in Jesus, it is nothing short of a miracle. And, and to have a father and son on the same night, it was like, let's freaking go. I mean, I was pumped, right? Let's go. Now, you might think, wow, one night, father and son accepting Jesus, that's a touchdown. It's like, you are so right. That is a touchdown. But the journey to get there wasn't a short one. Uh, and just uh, put the, the voice, my own words say, I've been wrestling with decision for a while. Putting it off, mulling it over. And what I'm here to tell you is that there were some first downs along the way to keep the chains moving. And I want to say unapologetically, it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. If it's Jesus who saves, we simply need to be faithful in sharing our faith with those around us. Share the faith that we have in him with those around us. And then we trust Jesus with the results. The pressure isn't on us. When it comes to sharing our faith, we need to simply be available to the Holy Spirit's prompting and be willing to run the play that God draws up. We're thinking first downs, not touchdowns. Uh, I don't know if you know this, the early church wasn't a bunch of theologians. Uh, they were just fully devoted followers of Jesus. They believed Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to save them from their sins. That he changed their lives and eternities and they wanted to tell others about it. And because of their faithfulness to share Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but if the book of Acts didn't happen, if that's not how God orchestrated it, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the early church. If it wasn't for their faithfulness. And I want to uh, pause again. I don't want to emphasize the people. That's bad theology. It was their faithfulness to Jesus. Jesus grew his church. As we think about evangelism, sharing your faith, it's important to remember it's all him. To remember the price he paid so that we could have salvation. When we first come to Jesus, it's something like there's a fire inside us. We just want to share it with everybody. I think what happens is we kind of drift away from that over time. And we need to remember the cross. Remember the price that Jesus paid for us. And that's really what communion is. Right? Remembering that Jesus' body was broken. His blood was spilt so that we could have salvation. Here's how the Apostle Paul lays it out, uh, lays out communion to the church in Corinth. He says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper saying, 
This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before you're eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are sick and weak. Some have even died. But if we examine ourselves, we will not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by God, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to drink this little cup of grape juice that I was supposed to have right here. I forgot to grab that. And when we, when we drink that little cup of grape juice, we're remembering uh, Jesus' blood that was extracted by the cross. And then we're going to have a little piece of bread underneath that cup, and we're going to be remembering Jesus' body that was crushed. And that happened because he loves you. Jesus endured more pain than any of us can even imagine, and he did it because he desires to have relationship with you. Uh, Jesus followers in the room, when was the last time you remembered the cross? When was the last time you just remembered the salvation that God offered to you? Let's not wait any longer to remember it. Now, to those of you who say, you know what, I don't know Jesus. You're sitting there just like, you're going to be like, frankly, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Just hear me on this. Putting your faith in Jesus is the best thing you could do. He loves you so much. He died on the cross because of his love for you. And I just believe that, that as we're talking about evangelism, as we're talking about what God has done for us, I believe there's people in here who need to take this step of faith. And so if you, uh, would everybody just bow their heads and let's close our eyes. We're just going to pray. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, uh, would you pray this out loud with me? And everybody in this room, uh, pray this out loud. Eyes closed, loud voices, so no one feels like they're alone. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. I confess, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, I believe you were raised from the dead, I confess Jesus is Lord, take my life, my past, my present, my future, I am completely yours, thank you Jesus for saving me, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I just want to say welcome to the family of Jesus. Uh, you get to experience something powerful and amazing today with your new family. Uh, the family of Jesus, we're going to do Lord's Supper together. Some people call this communion. It's a moment where we reflect and we remember the cross. To remember that it was our sin that held Jesus on the cross. But his sin, our, his, uh, he is so much bigger 
than our sin. His love for us was so much greater than our sin. In 1 Corinthians 11, and verse 28, it says, you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And it says, so my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather together for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I want everybody to just take a moment, and we're going to examine uh, not people around you. You're going to examine yourself, and, and really, you're going to ask yourself, just if I could boil it down, really just one question. Does my life look like Jesus wants it to look? And we don't ask that question to condemn ourselves. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We ask that because we desire to be good and faithful followers of Jesus. So you're going to take a moment, examine your life, and then when you're ready, when you feel like you've sufficiently examined your life, you're going to get up. We've got a table over here. We've got a table over here that has the elements for the Lord's Supper. They're going to be the juice right on top of the bread just like that. Once you've examined, you're going to go grab those. And as you get up and you walk over to that table, I want you to remember the cross. To remember your salvation. When you, when you walk up to that table, you're going to arrive uh, empty-handed. You're not going to have anything in your hands. That's because just like our salvation, we didn't bring anything to the table. We aren't saved because of what we have done. We're saved because of what Jesus has already done for us. And then once everybody has gotten their elements, they come back to their seat, we'll partake in them all together as a church family. So right now, would you take a moment and examine your life and ask yourself this question, does my life look like Jesus wants it to look? Pray, repent, and then when you're ready, Go grab the elements from one of those tables, return to your seat, and we'll take them together. Examine your life. He says, uh, he broke it into pieces, said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. The salvation that you've experienced in Jesus is all because of the goodness of God. We didn't bring anything to the equation. If it's all him, we don't need to be fearful to share our faith with those around us. Follow God's leading. Because here's the deal. His goodness is running after each and every person here and outside of uh, every person outside of this room. His goodness is running after them. Don't put the pressure on yourself to save someone. To save someone. Be faithful and trust the goodness of God. He's got this.